We're beginning a new series. Today we're going to speak a little bit to fathers, but it is the beginning of a series. And the new series is titled, People of Faith Change Their World. Let me say that again. People of faith change their world. And today, specifically, we're going to look at Abraham. And Abraham, of course, as many of you know, was the father of many nations. So he's a good one to start with here on Father's Day. Now, the definition of faith is believing God and taking action on what he said no matter what. Faith is an action word. Faith is not just a thought. Faith is not just a belief. Faith is belief that produces action. So it is an action word. Scripture says, without works, faith is dead. In other words, if faith doesn't have action, it's not faith. All right? When you believe something strong enough that it changes the way you act, it's faith. Okay? So people of faith... When we look in Scripture, change their world. And you and I also have that in us. Because of Christ Jesus, if you're a believer, the ability to change the world around you, whether it's your family or beyond. Your world is you and what's around you. And Sometimes maybe you think, well, I'm not really changing anything. Mom, if you're raising kids, one of your kids could end up changing the world, and what you did made it possible. They're like, wow, I just seem to work. Are you being a light to somebody at your work who may know a whole bunch of somebodies who could change an entire family line? You can change the world around you by your faith. You see, Abraham stepped out in faith and became the father of many nations, and he brought a blessing to the entire world. Now, I see when I read the story of Abraham, really three ways he stepped out in faith, and I'm going to give you those today, and we're going to look at how that means and how it looks in our world. Abraham stepped out in faith and changed his world first simply by being obedient. And of course, I'm talking about being obedient to the Lord. The Lord spoke to him and he listened. In Genesis 12, verse 1, we read this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. Abram was obedient. God said, I'm going to do this amazing thing for you. I'm going to bring uh, blessing and wealth, but I'm also going to cause you to bless the entire world. But Abram, I need you to do something. You see, obedience was his faith. I need you to move. I need you to leave your father's family, your land, everything that's comfortable to you, and I need you to go where I tell you. The scripture says that he didn't even know where he was going, but he said, sure, I'll do it. And he packed up everything he had, his wife, his servants, his workers, his animals, 
Now, moving in that day and age was a little different than our time. Today, if you need to move, you just give notice to your landlord and you call a mover. You get up, you go. A little bit simpler, but in his time, it would not have been an easy thing. You know, first of all, his mother-in-law probably didn't want him to go. I mean, mother-in-laws love their son-in-laws. Okay, I don't know that. That's not in Scripture. But guaranteed that the rest of the family would be like, what are you doing? We've lived here all this time. Where are you going? You've got to stay with us forever. And he's like, no, God told me I'm supposed to go. Well, where did he tell you to go? I'm not sure, but he just said to pack up and let's go. I'm pretty sure the rest of his family was going like, whoa, are you okay, Abram? No, really, I'm okay. And he went. Now, for you and I, for some, maybe God has called you to Slave Lake, and you've made that move, and you're here. And God said, hey, I need you to do it, even if it's difficult, because I got something good for you. I got a plan for you, but it requires your obedience. Now, as I always say, Please, I am not telling anybody they should move to Edmonton. Just don't do that. <laughs> you know, how many people come to me and, I'm moving to Edmonton. It's okay, it's okay. If God tells you, you should. However, what is he asking you to do? It's not always a move. Sometimes he's asking you to do something specific right where you are. Maybe he's asking you to do a move in your job situation. Maybe he's asking you to change the way you're doing something in your business or in your life. But obedience allows the promise to come. Obedience is your faith in action. You can't just say you're a believer and not do something about it. All right? It isn't just a name badge we wear. Christian. I put that because they can't tell otherwise. It's not a name badge. It's a lifestyle. Your faith will produce action. Hebrews 11 verse 8 talks a little more about this story of Abraham. And it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner, living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Here's the thing about obedience. Obedience is easy when you realize this is not all there is to it. There is eternity. You see, the life here is little, and then there's eternity. So being obedient here is a lot simpler when you realize that. And you see, Abraham knew that because he knew his God. He talked with God and he knew him. Now, it was not easy for him to be obedient in that situation. I don't believe it was easy at all to go from something comfortable and stable to suddenly taking everybody and moving around, camping out. You see, when they left, they walked. They had their donkeys, their camels, their sheep, and all the people, and the speed they moved was right like this. Come on, guys, let's go. And when they walked as far as they could walk, they'd have to camp, they'd have to make sure there was water for everybody, and off they'd go again. Now, I know for some of you, are like, I love camping, I wish I was there. But not everybody. It would not have been easy 
but the blessing was going to be unbelievable. I don't know what God's asked you to do. It may not be easy, but if you're obedient, the blessing will be unbelievable. So do it. That worked for anybody, even if they weren't fathers, so we're getting better here. Go ahead, do it. You see, Abram ended up becoming very wealthy. In Genesis 13, verse 2, it says, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. God blessed him abundantly. That's not a bad word in church, in case you didn't know that. God blesses abundantly. And you know, maybe God has a plan for you to be very rich because you're going to use it for him. But very rich is in Scripture, and God brought it for a purpose. God brought it to him so that his covenant could come to pass. His covenant with Abram. And wealth was necessary. Wealth is necessary for ministry, for life for you to do what he's asked you to do. Did you know that? Ask somebody who has absolutely no finances, and they'll tell you it's hard to do anything. It's hard to help somebody else when you can't even pay your own bills. It's hard to reach out and make a difference for someone else when you're struggling. So the blessing of God is for you to be able to be obedient and reach out to others. So thank him for the blessing. Be faithful to him with what he blesses and watch him bring more okay now when i speak about this topic i know maybe someone you came today and you are struggling in finance and maybe that even bugs you a little bit when somebody talks about that i want to encourage you if you are struggling in financial situation why don't you meet with someone who can help you and give you wisdom and help you to go forward in that area And you are welcome to call the church. We have uh, a finance course that runs from time to time um, and people that can start to point you in the right direction. We can connect you with others who understand finance. Don't stay there. Solomon was the wealthiest man in the world and really it connects to the favor and blessing of God but also one main thing, wisdom. You need wisdom or you'll always struggle in finance. Anyhow, that's a whole other topic we're not going into today. But Abram was obedient, and God blessed him abundantly. So fathers and others, but I'm going to speak to fathers a little bit today because it's Father's Day. But this does apply to uh, women, um, you know, everybody. But you're going to hear me speak directly to fathers a little bit today. Fathers, in order to be obedient to the voice of the Lord, we need to be in a place where we're talking with him and hearing. You see, Abram obviously was very close to the Lord, or he wouldn't have even heard him tell him to move. Or maybe if he had just heard a random voice, he would have said, I don't think so. But he knew his God. He was in relationship with him. He had conversations before this ever came. If God is going to instruct you and lead you in something great, you're going to first have to have a relationship where he's able to lead you. Because he says, who he gives little and they're faithful, he'll give much. You see, your faithfulness to get to this point depends on how you are in everyday things. Do you take time to pray daily? Do you take time to converse with him? You see, he speaks to you and I today by his Holy Spirit. His still, small voice. He'll speak directly to your heart, to your thoughts. 
Yes, he can still use a booming voice, and some may have heard it. But often he uses the still small voice. He wants to tell you things. He wants to lead you. Who wants to be led by the Lord? Anybody? Good. Because he's got some amazing things in store. Amazing beyond your wildest dreams. But it'll begin with your faith to be obedient. You see, Abram was called a friend of God. One thing I learned about good friends, they spend time together. They get to know each other. They trust each other. Church, that happens over time. You want God to speak to you and lead you into unbelievable things? Start with the little things first. Take time to talk to Him. Take time to listen. When you're feeling that nudge to, you should go over and encourage that person. Do it. That's Him speaking. If you don't start with the little things, you'll never listen when He gives you the big things. But He does want to bless you abundantly. I've told this story before, but it came to my mind again. I'm going to share it with you again. I remember a time where I was talking to the Lord. I was out mowing my grass, and I was saying, Lord, there's got to be a way to make money that, you know, than just hammering nails and cutting boards. And I was doing carpentry at the time and ministry on the side. And I was really praying about it. And as I was mowing my grass, I felt like the Lord said, buy the property next door. And I laughed about it because I was living in an old trailer and the property next door was an old trailer. And I didn't have any money saved. And there was no for sale sign or anything. And I remember going like, what? Why would I want another old trailer? I can barely keep this one fixed. That was what I said inside. Now, I had a relationship with the Lord. I knew when he talked, but I didn't really want to hear that. So I decided it probably wasn't him. Funny how we can do that when we don't like what we're hearing. And I didn't even mention it to my wife. I went off to work the next day when I got home from work from hammering nails, the same stuff I was talking to him about. I got home from work and my wife tells me, she said, the uh, real estate guy was here at our place today. He said he had to come assess our place for the finance company because they were taking it back. I was like, what? He said, no, 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 no. And he had left a card and the name of the finance company was not our finance company, and we were paying our, our regular bill. So I said, that's not us. And all of a sudden I knew, oh, God sent this guy here because I didn't listen. He's supposed to be at the place next door. It has no for sale sign, but I haven't seen anybody parked there for a couple weeks. He's supposed to be there, and this is God telling me, do what I asked. So then I told my wife what happened. I said, I'll call this real estate guy. I called him up and I said, hey, I just want you to know, you came to the wrong trailer. You're supposed to be next door. And he said, I know it's really hard to hear when the finance company wants your place, but I have. I said, no, trust me, you're at the wrong place. And uh, I think I finally convinced him he's supposed to go next door. And then I said, and by the way, when you're ready to sell it, let me know because I'm going to buy it. That was a step of faith. Maybe because I didn't have any money saved or anything else. But I decided if God could speak and God could show me, it was possible. Now, I'll leave out most of the story just to tell you, yes, it did happen. We purchased the place next door, did a little fix-up, rented it for six months, and then sold it and made a profit of $30,000. Oh, yeah. God knows. Now, that's a God thing. 
but it required obedience. It required action, right? It required me to step out and do what he asked. Abram understood that. Abram stepped out in faith. God's going to ask you to do things. Will you step out and do it? He's going to start with little things, okay? And when you listen, good things are coming. Abram stepped out in faith and obedience, but also Abraham stepped out in faith and changed his world by believing and acting when it looked impossible. Faith often has to happen when it doesn't look like it's going to work. And Abraham's situation definitely had this in it. But if God has spoken to you, I don't care how impossible it looks, you step forward. You continue. You see, Abram was 75 years old when he first went out and obeyed what God had said. And remember, he left doing his part, being obedient at 75, and God said, I'm going to give you generations. The thing is, Abraham is now 99 years old, and I can imagine him thinking, I did my part, God. Where's my son? He might have even been thinking, God, are you you being faithful? But he never lost his friendship with God. He never stopped trusting. Listen to what Scripture says in chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Abraham is now 99 years old. God refreshes the vision and the promise and says, I'm going to do it. It may have looked impossible, but we know that Abraham had faith and believed. Romans 4.17 expands on it and tells us clearly this man had a lot of faith. Romans 4.17, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Church, there's nothing more impossible than a dead person coming to life or something being created out of nothing. But Abraham believed that's the kind of God he served. So I don't know what impossible situation you're facing, but you're serving a God who can do it. Do you hear me? You're serving a God that has no boundaries, no limits. If he said it, he'll do it. But you need to continue in faith. You need to continue in what he's told you. Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. (coughs) Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in, it, in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. I don't know what promise he's given you, but he's able. Are you thinking, well, it's too late? 
It's not too late. He's able. Are you thinking, well, it's impossible. I don't have the finance. He's able. Are you thinking, well, I can't because I don't know enough important people? He's able. He's able. God is able no matter what. Abraham believed it, and Abraham got to see God do the impossible. And God said, for you, I've got something. Trust him and continue. I have found out the only reason that God's promise for you will not come to pass is if you quit. Because you see, he will be faithful, but you have to act on your faith. So if you quit, that's the only reason. You are the only one that can stop his promise from happening in your life. Did you know that? It's only you. You can't blame others. If he said to do it and you continue, he will be faithful. It may not be as quick as you thought, but he will do it. You must continue. If God said it, we believe it and we step into it. You see, Abraham <clears throat> stepped out in faith and changed his world by being obedient, by doing it even when it looked impossible. And thirdly, he stepped out in faith by obeying and loving God even more than he loved his promised child. This is an area of faith that I want to go into a little bit for the fathers, especially today. Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. First of all, I got to say, what? That's like scripturally wrong because they're not even supposed to ever have human sacrifice. Why would God even ask that? God was testing Abraham to see, do you love your child more than you love me? Do you love the promise more than you love me? Now for some of you, it may just be a promise that has nothing to do with kids. I want you to look at it this way. But for fathers today, do you love him and what he's asked you to do more than you love your child? This was a test for Abraham that I believe must have been unbelievable. He waits till he's 99 to finally have his son. And now, there he is. And God's saying, give him back. I can't imagine what he would have felt. And yet scripture tells us he felt just fine because he trusted the Lord. He trusted that God would look after everything. He took his son, he took the wood and the donkey and he headed up to the mountain where he was going to go where there's stone altar that he could do the sacrifice. And on the way, his son Isaac says, Dad, I know we're going to go do sacrifices. See, we got the wood and we got everything prepared here, but uh, where's the sacrifice? Can you imagine what dad would have thought right then? We don't have to. Scripture tells us dad looked at him and said, don't worry, God's going to provide the sacrifice. In other words, he already knew God doesn't do this, but I'm willing to hand it to him if he wants. God's going to make a way. But I'm putting my heart in trusting God even more than I love my son. Wow. So he takes his son and lays him on the altar, it says. 
takes the knife, and all the way to lifting up the knife. And the angel of the Lord says, stop. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And God says to Abram, Because you did not withhold your son, I will definitely, most assuredly, bring upon you the blessing. And he once again reiterates this blessing. You see, Abraham's faith to take action to show that he loved God more than his own child brought the promise to pass. When I look at us today, I can confidently say to all of you, never will you be asked to take one of your children and sacrifice it. It is not a God thing. This was an unusual request that obviously Abraham knew would not happen but you will not be asked to do that. However, in our context, in our day and age, fathers, are you willing, as the father of the home, to stand up and say, we're going to church, kids, because we serve the Lord? Are you willing to stand up and say, in our home, this is okay and this is not? Or are you more concerned that your child loves you better than everybody else? Are you more concerned that they like you and they're not ever mad at you? Because that's not being a father. You weren't called to have them like you. You were called to raise them. And if God's way is not more important to you even than your child liking you, then your child's in trouble. Fathers, we need to be the head of the home. We need to be saying, this is how it is. We need to be the man of the house. And I'm going to say this. Fathers, if you only talk to your kids and be like, oh, don't do that. Mom's going to be mad. Oh, come on. Be the man. Oh, don't let your mom see that. Oh, quit. Be the man and just say, hey, this is how we do it here, and this is why. Now, maybe today as I... Talk about this, you're thinking, <coughs> well, yeah, but isn't it, did Abraham really sacrifice like that? Did Abraham really tell his kids, this is how we do it, this is how it is? Well, yeah, he did. Abraham stepped out in faith and changed his world by teaching his children to follow God. You're going to be surprised to see, fathers, that the very promise hinged on his willingness and his ability to teach his children to follow God. But let me give you scripture so you don't think I'm just making this up. Genesis 18, 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Verse 19 is where I'm trying to go. For I know him, it's God talking, that he will command his children and his household after him and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. The promise would come to pass because God chose Abraham. He chose Abraham because he knew this is a dad that will teach his children to follow me. 
but not just teach his children. He would teach his children to follow him in a way that they would want to teach their children. You see, this was not, you're coming because I said so. Somehow he taught them and they understood. And they wanted it and they taught their children. Oh my goodness, fathers. Don't ever be like, we got to go to church. Your mom will be mad if we don't. No, 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 no. Why are we going to church? Teach them. Hey, if you're a believer, you go to church to honor and worship the Lord. If you're a believer, kids, we go there so that we can show the Lord we love Him, so that we can learn more about Him, so that we can get in His presence with a group of people and change our community and change our world, so that we can hear from Him as He directs, so that we can feel the calling and that He can choose us for something, so that we can use our gifts and talents and be raised up. That's why we go, so that we can be part of the most powerful entity in the world, God's church. Because Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church and the very gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. We go to church because it's a place where as a family we can defeat the kingdom of hell in our community. Ooh, that's why we go. Okay? Not because I told you so. That makes kids want to leave as soon as they can. And church, I can say this because I don't think I've done a great job of it, even as a pastor. I can see times back in my past where that's exactly what I've told my kids. Oh, I told you so. I'm too busy to explain it. I, we're late already. So I want to confess to you, I want to do a better job of it. I want to teach my kids in a way that they want to teach their kids. And fathers, as the head of the home, you are the one who gets to say, what happens in your house and what goes on. And I'm going to get a little bit here for a minute that could get me in trouble, but uh, I do that all the time as a pastor. So, When a child becomes an adult in your home, if they decide they no longer want to follow any of your rules, then as a father, you have to decide that God and His ways is more important than that child. And in a way, it feels like a sacrifice to say, hey, you need to go if you don't want to do what we do here. You're an adult and you can choose, but you need to go. And it's a scary thing because it feels like a sacrifice and you wonder, well, are they going to be okay? Let me tell you something. The story of the prodigal son, he didn't come to his senses partying and living it up, getting three meals a day at home and a nice bed to sleep. He came to his senses starving in a pig pen. You can say, ouch, if you want. (laughs) Boy, that's rough. I'm just telling you what Scripture says. When parents enable an adult child to destroy themselves on drugs and a lifestyle for years and years, you're not doing them any favors. You're not protecting them. You're enabling them. Give them to the Lord, and He'll help them get through it a whole lot faster. Will they be mad at you? Yeah, probably. Will they hate you for a season? Maybe. But they will come to their senses. And they'll love you. And don't you ever stop praying for them. Don't you ever stop reaching out to them. But be a man. I'm talking to the dads today. Be a man. Men, young men maybe who, well, we'll do young men and married men. All of you, your spouse or girlfriend, 
they will respect you far more when you stick to your word and you stand up for your faith. They will see you as someone they can trust and someone who will protect them. If you're a back and forth and in and out and confused about what you believe, they're probably just with you because you have a good job and you pay the bills. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy, that was really bad. Okay. <laughs> we, we better get this finished because I want to get to baptism. Let me begin to wrap this up here now. Abraham taught his children how to follow God, and they also taught their children. And it brought to pass the greatest, most amazing blessing of all time for you and I. You see, because Abraham's lineage, out of his lineage would come Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. His obedience of faith, his stepping out when it was impossible, his teaching his children to follow God, brought about the most amazing miracle for all of mankind. Jesus is born and comes, walks on this earth, and his whole purpose was to go and die on a cross in our place to take our sin, to take our price and pay it. And church, he did that for you and I. He went to that cross, Jesus, the great, 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 great grandson of Abraham, who was also taught the ways of God as a young person. It continued all those generations. Wow. I want to teach my kids so it continues for many generations. Jesus hanging on a cross for each one of us, taking the step of faith, doing what God asked him to do, even when it hurt. And he did that so you and I could be free and whole. So you and I could have a new life and be reconnected with the Heavenly Father. See, our Heavenly Father wants relationship with us, but there was a sin problem and connection was broken. And Jesus said, I'll make a way. And if you're here today and you've not yet asked Jesus to forgive you and change your life, if if you can say, I don't know if I'm a Christian or I don't know if I'm saved, then we want to give you opportunity this morning to pray a prayer with us that uses your mouth to say what's in your heart. And if your heart is saying, yeah, I want Jesus, then I want you to pray that with me right now. I'm going to ask everybody to join for that maybe one or two who are thinking about this this morning. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. In Jesus' name, amen.